Welcome to the HTH Church Podcast. We are a church in the heart of Hastings whose desire is to build communities of people who are so passionate about being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and joining in with what Jesus is doing, that lives, families, and communities are changed and transformed one at a time. On this podcast, you can keep up to date with the latest talks from our Sunday services, as well as additional bonus episodes, which include conversations, interviews, devotions, and much more. If you'd like to find out more about the church, you can visit our website, hthchurch.org. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you, Jolie. Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is uh, Toby. I'm part of the team here at the church, and it's wonderful to be here and not... Um, this morning, I had a bit of a silly role uh, pretending to be a TikTok influencer um, in our nativity, that, that well-known part of the nativity. Uh, So welcome this evening. The author and pastor Brian Zand calls Christmas Eve the holiest night of the year, the night when the stores finally close and even commerce bows its knee to Christ. Everything stops on Christmas Eve and a select few like us gather in the darkening night to remember an event that happened some 2,000 years ago. It's fitting that we should meet in the dark. It brings to mind the wearying travel of Mary, God's highly favored one, and Joseph, her betrothed, the one whose place was to fade into insignificance, as they journeyed throughout the night on their pilgrimage into an unknown future, pregnant with purpose. The darkness brings to mind the gloom of Mary's womb, the potential that lay within her swollen body and the expectation of new life. They say the night is darkest just before the dawn, just before the light breaks in and illuminates the world. That's how the fourth gospeler, John, describes Mary's boy as the light that shines in the darkness, the one whom darkness has not overcome. And as the fiery Old Testament prophet Isaiah foretold, the people who walked in darkness, have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. But we aren't here in the darkness of Christmas Eve to celebrate the light per se. That is tomorrow's uh, job. That's what we do on Christmas Day, the purpose of tomorrow. We are here tonight in recognition that all is not right with the world. That as we look at the world, we're peering into the heart of darkness. It's fitting then that we should meet in the dark when the world is ravaged by war and oppression, when darkness seems to creep in on the hearts of men who are thirsty for justice, for revenge, for blood. We share this darkness with Tala Hazala a Palestinian English teacher whose family and friends died suffocating beneath the rubble of their homes destroyed by Israeli airstrikes. We share this darkness with the family and friends of the Kadem family from Israel, Tamar, Yonatan, and their six-year-old twins, Shachar and Arbel, and their four-year-old son, Omer, massacred by Hamas militants on the 7th of October. We share this present darkness with those who anticipate the grim two-year milestone of Russia's war on Ukraine, which comes upon us in February. 
we share this present darkness with all of those living in lands of deep darkness. The world is shrouded in darkness, but they say the night is darkest just before the dawn. There's often bad news around at Christmas time. We do our best to ignore it or hide it away or just acquiesce when preferring to focus on our mince pies and mulled wine. But for some, the darkness of this world is felt much closer to home, much closer than the distant wars, which we can switch off when we switch off our TVs. One of my favorite shows this year was The Bear. Did anyone else see The Bear? No one. Really? Oh, it comes highly recommended for me. Very, very good TV show. And one particular episode of this show, The Bear, illustrates this darkness close to hand. You can watch it on Disney+, Plus. I think. If anyone's got Disney+, Plus, you can watch The Bear on there. The show follows Kami Bazato, a rags-to-riches, Michelin-starred chef who's tortured by his past. It begins in the aftermath of Kami's older brother's suicide when Kami inherits his brother's failing family restaurant. In season two, episode six, which came out this year, we see a flashback to a Bazato family Christmas. All the family are gathered together. The house is fully decked out with decorations. It looks beautiful. Kami's mother, Donna Bazato, a semi-functioning alcoholic played wonderfully by Jamie Lee Curtis, is at work in the kitchen trying to frantically remember the timings of all the plethora of dishes that she has to cook. That might sound familiar to some of you. Everyone is trying to be nice, trying to not say the wrong thing, trying to be happy, but bit by bit, the pain and the torment in the family relationships are exposed, and the dinner ends in catastrophe, with family members threatening to stab each other with dinner forks, and eventually Donna Bozzato succumbing to her drunken inhibitions and driving her car into the house. It's probably one of the most intense but brilliant bits of TV I've seen in a long time. But the power of this scene in The Bear lies in the contrast of all the nice festivities, the polished perfection of Christmas on the one hand, and the unendurable anguish in the hearts of the participants. Now, not everyone's Christmas dinners will be quite as extreme as that, but I think you know what I mean. Things don't always work out how we want them to. At the heart of human life, there is an incapacity to make things turn out right. Almost exactly 20 years ago, I was sat in the cinema embarrassing myself in front of my then girlfriend as I wept, uh, blubbed like a baby, during the end credits of the final installment of director Peter Jackson's generation-defining adaptation of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And I wept, it should be noted, despite having been to the cinema already four times in the previous two weeks to see it. I'm a big fan. That franchise began in 2001 with the release of The Fellowship of the Ring. Are there any Lord of the Rings fans in the house? Yes, okay, so The Bear's not so good, but Lord of the Rings, yes. Uh, 2001, The Fellowship of the Ring came out. 2002, The Two Towers came out. And by 2003, The Return of the King, the final part was out. And because these films are always released in December, just before Christmas... The teenage me, you know, this is my most formative time, spent those festive seasons uh, waiting with such excitement and expectation for the next installment of these films to come out. But 2001 was also a year 
when the world changed. It was the year when Islamist extremists hijacked American Airlines Flight 11 and United Airlines Flight 175, two fully laden domestic passenger flights, and crashed them into the World Trade Center, also known as the Twin Towers in New York. The 9-11 attacks killed just under 3,000 people and sparked the so-called War on Terror, which has since displaced 38 million people and caused the deaths of a further 4.5 million people across Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iraq, Yemen, Syria, and many others. In 2001, the world changed. At the heart of human life, there is an incapacity to make things turn out right. And yet, they say the night is darkest just before the dawn. In 2002, the actor Viggo Mortensen, who played the character Aragorn in The Lord of the Rings, one of Middle-earth's many messianic figures, wrote these words in his introduction to the illustrated companion to the Two Towers movie, of which I am a proud owner. He said, The Two Towers comes to theatres in a world which is no more secure than the one in which The Fellowship of the Ring was released last year in the wake of 9-11 and the Twin Towers. Tolkien composed his original masterpiece in equally troubled times of terror, war, and uncertainty. It would seem from even a cursory reading of world history that there is no new horror under the sun, that we will perhaps always have to contend with destructive impulses in ourselves and others. And I think two decades on, this impassioned bit of writing of Mortensen is still right, still on point. Terror, war, uncertainty, they haven't left us. In his personal correspondence, Tolkien himself, a veteran of the Battle of the Somme in World War I, said repeatedly that humanity must always be on the lookout for the evil that lies within. We should not kid ourselves into thinking that just because we have better technology, just because we have better science, just because we have better understanding, just because we're somehow more advanced, that we're somehow better off. And if we are Christians, we most certainly should not kid ourselves into thinking that we are somehow immune to those evil devices at work in the human heart. I just think of the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church blessing nuclear warheads. People storming the U.S. Capitol in God's name. We cannot rid ourselves of the evil impulses we harbor in the depths of our soul. There are no new horrors under the sun. Even with every good intention, things just don't quite work out how we want them to. At the heart of every human life is an incapacity to get things right. But, they say, the night is darkest just before the dawn. Mortensen goes on in his introduction to say, at best, we, like the fellowship, realize individually and collectively that peaceful coexistence can only be achieved through vigilance and conscious compassion. Compassion for oneself and others, especially for those determined to do us harm. An effort made to identify with others and understand them in order to understand ourselves, to understand that there is no absolute difference between us, the most enlightened beings in Tolkien's Middle-earth are conscious of the ubiquity of good and evil in neighbors, strangers, adversaries, and most importantly, themselves. 
But if, as he suggests in his impassioned rhetoric, that the heavenly utopia, the life of peace that we long for as human beings is just a case of vigilant, conscious compassion. It's just a case of human decision. Then why has it not happened? I think he's right. That is what's needed. Absolutely. And his sentiment is commendable. But if it's down, purely down to the choices we make as human beings, then why do wars still rage? Why is blood still spilt? Why do the seas still boil? Why do children still starve? Because surely it would have happened by now. I mean, us human beings have been around on this speck of dust in the cosmos for something like 600,000 years. That's a lot of people over a long period of time who have chosen war over peace. Will we ever get it right? All evidence suggests we will not. And I think that's true. Left to our own devices, we will always tend towards death and destruction. We will always inevitably choose war over peace, hate over love, vengeance over forgiveness, and oppression over grace. But, they say, the night is darkest just before the dawn. Today is the final day of the season of Advent. It's one of my favorite seasons. And contrary to what Advent, uh, our nice Advent calendars and our wreaths and our candles tell us, Advent is not about the polished perfectionism of Christmas and the holiday season. At least not the kind of idealized secular Christmases we're all used to these days. Advent is about a world in, in darkness. And while there are many great and good things about the world that we should celebrate, we absolutely should, it's not at all difficult to show that we live in a world shrouded in darkness. Left to our own devices, we will always choose death over life. So what's needed? What's the solution to our plight? I'll tell you. An outside intervention, an invasion of the human condition to deliver us from the alluring death grip and the enslaving cosmic power that the Bible calls sin. Sin is the word Christians give to the human compulsion to choose death over life. Sin is the word Christians give to the inexplicable tendency of all human beings to choose the path the easy path of war instead of the messy path of reconciliation. And let me let you in on a little secret tonight. That intervention, that invasion of the human condition has already happened. It has already occurred. That's the good news. That's the gospel of Christmas. The story of Christmas, the story that Mary is about to give birth to, is one which insists that God is born amid rubble, under the shadow of empire, into the deepest, darkest places of human oppression, suffering, and trauma. This is the story about the fact that we have not been left to our own destructive devices and tendencies, that God will not leave us alone alone. 
that God will not let doom, death, and destruction have the final word. That even in this present darkness, his light will shine. Mary's boy didn't just come to preach good news. Mary's boy is the good news, the best good news there is. Mary's boy isn't just the messenger. Mary's boy is the message. Mary's boy is God himself stepping down into our present darkness, coming to deliver us from evil. God does not come to us at Christmas to condemn the world. He doesn't come to us at Christmas to condemn evildoers, but to condemn evil itself. God does not come to us at Christmas to smite sinners, but to smite sin itself. God does not come to us at Christmas waving the executioner's sword or preparing the hangman's lynch, but God comes to us in the most unexpected way imaginable. God undermines death and the power of death by becoming new life, new birth, a new creation, a baby. God's weapon of warfare against sin, death, and evil is a vulnerable, crying baby. Mary's boy would go on to become Pilate's victim, in whose body death will meet its end. And in light of that reality... We can look into the present darkness. We can peer into the gloom of a world at war. We can grasp the seeming meaninglessness, purposelessness, and hopelessness of the human condition and the ubiquity of sin, death, and evil, and yet have confidence, have confident hope that all of this will be put right. That the night is darkest just before the dawn. And the dawn is inevitable. To trust, to believe, to have faith in the Christmas story is to be certain of that dawn. The dawn of the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the HDH Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with someone you think would appreciate it? And be sure to subscribe to our channel to get notified when new episodes are published. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.